Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> to the Grow People podcast. That is Pastor Jason right there, and he's healthy. I can't uh, wait to say welcome every time. I <laughs> know, I know. And and you're looking good. You look healthy, um, and you are ready to go. Uh, By looking healthy, do you th- are you saying I've like put on weight? Like I'm no, okay, no, no, not in that sense. <laughs> not in that. You know, if you're looking at that, oh, that's a healthy animal. Yeah. No, no, I'm not. I'm not saying that at all. Yeah, because that's saying, a. We're going to Africa. We we'll are. talk about mm-hmm. that a little bit, and then. But over in Africa, if you tell a particularly if you tell a female. She looks skinny. That is not a compliment. Hmm. That means they're malnourished and not fed. Hmm. So that's okay. what I was going with it. Like, <laughs> okay. if you're saying I'm healthy, that means I'm well fed. I'm going to tell Leanna, you look malnourished. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's an upside down world over here. Um, yeah. No, but you you did have some some health things yes, going on. Yes. And uh, you look bright and happy and pain free. That, that's a much better that's, way of saying That's it. the way I meant it. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't mean it that way. I, I do feel normal. Okay, Again, good. Yeah, I was good. able to preach mm-hmm. uh, our young adults and our middle to older adults <laughs> in our gatherings this last weekend with, with no pain. So, yes, I'm well, very glad for health. Right before the gatherings last weekend, um, our stage manager said, what do I do with the stool sample? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I don't think we're using the stool today. No, we're good. But I've gotten so many, so many texts of folks that have been listening to the podcast and just dying about over the stool one. sample. Yeah, yeah. I'm well, still laughing at it. Well, you you are the king of well placed, timely puns. It, it, Is that a pun? I don't. Like, I don't think it's a pun. I think or a statement. I, I thought it was just something really funny. It's very funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and I thought of it by myself. And was giggling on the way into work. <laughs> so, so then, you know, so that, then I'm waiting for it. Yeah. You know, when can I use? When this? can I say this? Yeah. yeah. My name is David Stein, and I'm the campus pastor in Canton. And the purpose of the Grow People podcast is to help grow people. It is Valentine's Day, the day we are recording this. It is the day of love. The day uh, of love. Are, are you a good Valentine's husband, or or do you have any? What. I, I'm. I don't. I don't. Side, I, don't I don't like the day personally. Mm-mm. I'm not a big fan of the day. Um, I think we're 365 Valentine's guys. Yeah. If you ask my wife that same question mm-hmm. that you just asked me, yeah. she would say no. I'm not a good Valentine's Day husband because, and this is my and my wife and I have already had this conversation this morning okay. and last night. Mm-hmm. My issue with Valentine's Day mm-hmm. is. And I don't know the history of all the stuff. I'm sure somebody will tell us, but it is a made up holiday. Yes, of course. Um, and it's and it's just for commercialism. Mm-hmm. And and I, I had to go to Publix last night to get Lindsay some medication for our Africa trip. Which between my health issues and us going to Africa, I'm sure my insurance company is like, "Are you guys <laughs> running a drug ring on the side here?" Because no doubt, I, between me, because Jackson's going on the trip right. with us, between the three of us and those meds and my meds and then Lindsay's meds, I, we've probably gotten 40 to 50 prescriptions in, in 2024. <laughs> I'm, not even, I'm not even exaggerating. <laughs> because they would change medication. With the that, intent to distribute. Yes. I mean, I don't know how we haven't. Uh, I'm sure we're flagged somewhere, <laughs> but the FBI just hasn't contacted, or the DEA, whoever that would fall under. Um but anyway, so I was at Publix again last night, and when I walked in, um, and I don't know, I'm assuming all of them are this way, but you know how they decorate the front of the store, so yeah. it was Super Bowl and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, but this one was a plethora 
of Valentine's Day mm-hmm. stuff, all this mm-hmm. portable tables and stuff. Like you couldn't even walk in mm-hmm. to the point where it makes you feel like a guilty person because you bypass it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I walk by and I look over and there was no lie, probably 20 dudes standing around the table, all buying stuff and getting stuff. And I thought to myself, and I told this to Lindsay, you know what I didn't see? I didn't see one woman buying anything mm. um, for Valentine's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I came home last night and was telling Lindsay that and was just like, that's what's wrong with this holiday. It's the expectation that the man has to do something. Unrealistic expectation. Unrealistic. Yes. And then she quickly pointed out, she's like, well, that's because women have already bought it. Like they've, they've, they've it. it was it was bought on february 15th yeah. last year yeah. stored in a closet and wrapped back after christmas yes and yeah. i said and i said touche you know i said but i get it yes women typically women are better at that kind of stuff i said however no i still don't agree with you because women don't have to buy those things for the man because the woman is the Valentine's Day gift for oh, the man. That's gold. I'm writing that down. Oh, uh, I said I don't need a heart shaped thing. I want mm-hmm. you. You know, like you're my Valentine's, and so I tried to, you know, reinforce that point. Mm-hmm. Like example, this morning I got up early. Uh, I normally do, uh, or earlier than Lindsay. So I was up about six thirty. Go make coffee. You know, pray. I was actually working on my message, and. Then I came back upstairs to get ready, and in our bedroom where our bed is, there's a window, and the sun was shining in on Lindsay. And so I made a comment to her. I said, babe, you look really beautiful. Like, you're just laying there, and the sun's shining Mm -hmm. in, like you're glowing, you know, something like that. And she chuckled and laughed, and, and, you know, because she hasn't gotten out of bed yet, Mm -hmm. you know, and hasn't put on her face. And so then I get ready. I come out. And then now she's up getting ready and she goes, Oh, happy Valentine's day. Like almost like not a dig at me, Mm -hmm. but like I haven't said it yet. So Mm -hmm. she said it first. Yeah. That's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, hold up. Maybe you said happy Valentine's day first, but I complimented you like 45 minutes ago first, just out of the blue. You know what I mean? So that's me saying you're my Valentine's. Um, and then two days ago, I'm not feeling like I have to justify myself no, here. No, <laughs> you're, do, sort of you're doing a great job justifying <laughs> yourself, though. <laughs> two days ago, um, I asked Lindsay, because I had bought her a gift to her favorite restaurant, and we were going to go over Christmas okay, um, or our anniversary. I gave it to her for Christmas, we were gonna, but then I was sick. and mm-hmm. she, you know, So we didn't get to go, and I said, hey, I've got an appointment in Alpharetta at 3 today. I'll be done about 4, you know, 30. So if you want, we can go on Valentine's to your favorite restaurant. Let's go eat. I didn't know there was a Bucky's in Alpharetta. No, I wish there was. Oh, oh, her favorite. Her restaurant. favorite. Okay. Yeah, not my favorite. Her <laughs> fi- favorite. Yeah. Roomies at the Avalon. Yeah. yeah, I figured that. And so I was making a plan because I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to go on Valentine's at 730. Oh, no. It's like, the, that's stupid. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And so then she said, oh, I can't leave that early because you know we're going to be gone next week. And so... I said, well, I just want, you know, I was planning something for Valentine's, you know, but you couldn't do it, which is fine. We'll do it another day. So my point with all that is, I mean, I get it. Lindsay and I'm sure every other woman on the planet loves being thought. I actually had this conversation with a couple ladies on staff this morning uh, because they were like, oh, why are you dressed up nice? And I said, oh, I have to shoot a video later. And they were like, oh, you're not dressed up nice for Valentine's? I'm like, why? 
Why would I do that? <laughs> and you and Chad are wearing all black, I guess, in protest to Valentine's. <laughs> yeah. Like it's the day of the dead over here. Ch- you know? Chad and I, for some reason, well, we don't, it, it's not really uh, great odds that we're not going to be dressed alike because we only have gray, black, and tan yes. in our closet. Yes. So Chad and I are going to be dressed alike, you know, typically nine out of 10 times. So um, again, I don't, I don't think, and I'm not trying to, if, if you're married and you like Valentine's or your spouse likes Valentine's, I'm not saying yeah. like, this isn't a Christian protest, like against Halloween. No. This isn't that, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I'm just Can't saying, you gotta celebrate Halloween. yeah, I'm, it's not that, you yeah. know, we're not that. Uh-huh. So if you celebrate it, that's mm-hmm. great. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm, I'm not opposed to it. I just, I just don't like the, the assumption that like we have to participate in this commercial thing. Yeah. To illustrate love, although it's not bad, and there's obviously definitely times to do that kind of stuff, but you should do it. Like, for example, when I went to Publix last night, I was going to buy Lindsay fresh flowers Mm -hmm. because that's what she loves. She would much rather have fresh flowers than chocolate or something like that. So I was going to buy that, Mm -hmm. but we're leaving in two days. Sure. And we'll be gone for 10 days. So I was like, well, they're just going to die. Right. You know, so Mm -hmm. I didn't buy them. And yeah. that may have been a miscalculation on my part. No, I, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it was. I, I think the random fresh flowers on a day that doesn't have any meaning totally has way more meaning yes. than than if you go out. And look, pro tip: you know, about ten o'clock tonight, these stores are they're they're loaded with roses, <laughs> and they're selling them for six bucks a dozen. Yeah, um, but then you feel like a loser. Yeah, if you're in there at that. So again, that was that's kind of my point. Mm-hmm. Like it's somehow and and I'm again, men could definitely be more romantic. I'm not oh, I'm not yes. this isn't, you know, this isn't a again a case to say men shouldn't be romantic. But when you walk into Publix and there's all dudes there and they're buying stuff, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's just that kind of I don't know, it's just that kind of protest in me that yeah. it's like I don't want to do it cuz everybody else is doing yeah, it. Yeah, are you romancing your wife? The other 364 days. Yes. And or leap year 365. Yeah. If we were doing a, a men's event, we would say, hey, you know, pursue your spouse. Yeah. Make good, like, again, make a, make a comment, you mm-hmm. know, um, yeah. Be, be the first one on February 14th to say you look good. You look good. Yeah. yeah. And not just that, but like, mm-hmm. you know, specific other things. Yeah. So again, if Lindsay were on here right now, which I'm sure she'll listen to this. She would probably disagree with me on some of this stuff. And that's, so, a, that's I recognize that. Yeah. Yeah. Because she we doesn't get, feel the same way I do as far as just mm-hmm. it's made up. Yeah. We yeah. may get more comments uh, on this podcast than, than any so far. Than, than spiritual Israel. Yeah. And, yeah. D- and don't get, don't get me started on the Whitman sampler. I, the, the, on the what? The Whitman sampler. The, Is that the candy? The candy. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah and at Halloween, they have it in a heart shaped box. Oh, another pro tip never buy, um, holiday candy so on valentine's day get the regular candy boxes that are not valentine's themed why on halloween on um, christmas get the regular candy not the christmas themed because what they don't sell they send back and they store for the next year <laughs> no true story i i i, I know i, I know it. i know people in the in the candy in, in the industry business? yes yeah. so uh but i don't understand the whitman sampler because there's only two candies in there there's only two chocolates that are any good in there yeah. there's the coconut one and then there's the one that's like an almond joy yes and that's it yeah 
and and I don't, I don't understand how they're still in business. Yeah, I'm not a fan of those for sure. Um, because I want to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need the thumbprint in the bottom to find no. out what's what's in there. The <laughs> thumbprint. <laughs> Speaking of candy, did you start taking your malarone today? No, I'll Could, start tomorrow. Tomorrow, okay. Well, because here's the thing. All right. Um, and I just had this, Lindsay, and I just had this conversation with another person on our trip. Okay. When, not not Marsh Capone. That's the candy. No, that's the candy. Malarone is, is the malaria medicine. Ma- malaria pills. Yeah. The trip is the 16th through the 26th. So even our prescription says start taking on Wednesday. But we're not actually in Africa till Saturday. Okay. So you have to take it two days before. All right. So you're not going to get uh, malaria in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> so, well, you might get something <laughs> in Amsterdam. <laughs> so no, Lindsay and I will start Thursday because then that's two days before yeah. Saturday. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not going to hurt you if you start today. Did you but, did you read the side effects of malaria? Yeah, there's pretty true. You might as well have malaria. <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> Yeah, there's really no there's really no protection against that. It's just protecting. I mean, obviously, if you take it, it you have a less chance of getting it, but mm-hmm. it's more diminishing its effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm I am over medicated for this trip. I got every shot you could possibly get. Yeah, and I am not coming back with anything. <laughs> so, and yeah, we we, we you had, went all out on the shot. Well, I did. I did. We had this conversation. You know, when I went to my. I went to get my physical. I figured I'm going to go get a physical before I, I go to yeah. Kenya. And you know, my doctor said, hey, have you gotten all the shots? And I said, well, I, I, here's the list of what's required. Yeah. And he said, there's also a list of recommended. Yes. And, and he starts rattling these off, and he gets down to yellow fever. And he goes, that's, uh, that's a required one. You, you need to get that. Yeah. So... I went up to LJ. They only give the the yellow fever shot in LJ. I don't know why the tra- the travel clinic is there. I live yeah. a mile from the east from the East Cherokee from yeah. from the Cherokee County Health Department, and they do all the other shots, but not I don't understand not that. yellow fever. Yeah. So I go up there around Christmas, and I go to get the shot, and they said, "No, you're you're over 60. First of all, I was a little offended that they thought I was over <laughs> sixty, and and they said, "If you're over 60, here are the side effects yeah. and they run through them. And of course they're the regular side effects that are pretty gross. Yeah. And then she goes and death. <laughs> and so I don't remember you telling me that. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. She goes, yeah, yeah. There is a very, very slight chance of dying from the shot. And I said, well, what are the chances of dying from yellow fever? Yeah. And she said, 50, 50. I said, okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll take the risk. I'll take the Give risk. me the shot. But I had to go get it. I had to go get another doctor's notice note. Note. Note to come back and get the shot. Get the, yeah. So then I go up just a couple of weeks ago to get it again. And I went with Jackson, your mm-hmm. son. Mm-hmm. And I'm and we're on the way and I'm telling him what the side effects of this are. He's like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> come on. <laughs> so they put us in a room. The nurse comes in, looks at Jackson, 20 years old, healthy, fit. You're, you're going to have no problem with this. And she looks at me and she starts reading down the list <laughs> oh, again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's a chance you could die from the shot. Well, so anyway, I'm, I'm ready. You're still here. I'm, I'm still here. Um, I am not coming back with anything. Yeah. When you told me everything that you were doing, not that I got concerned, but I was like, I felt like you had gotten misinformed like because I thought you thought you had to get all that. I'm like, no, David, you just need yellow fever and typhoid. That's yeah. what you need. Mm-hmm. The other ones, yeah. you know, 
very slim chance, yeah. you know, that you would get any of that. Yeah. And so I, I, I did get a little nervous because you were in a period of like a month, you were injecting your body with a lot I had, of the vaccines. I had every side, well, except for the death, I had every, <laughs> every that we know of, every yeah. side effect you could possibly get from these shots because I was getting them three at a time. Yeah. You know, I got polio meningitis and my last hepatitis at the same time. I, I thought I had meningitis that night. Yeah. It was, it was <laughs> but yeah. I don't want to be the guy going on a trip where polio, the polio update, there's an update yeah. for the polio vaccine, which yeah. I, which I had, I, Jonas Salk actually injected me with the polio vaccine. That's how old I am. Mm. That's Is that a, the maker that's of a, it? Yes. That's okay. funny. I think they laughed over there. I heard it. <laughs> I hear I hear them on the mic over there. Their mic is hot. And uh, when they told me there was a polio update, I said, is that recommended? And she goes, well, I mean, yeah. So I got it. Yeah. I don't want to come back with polio. No, no. No. But yeah, I was just like, because would you get like seven or eight vaccines <sighs> difference? I don't know how many. So yeah, I was like, oh, David, you don't have to do all that. Yeah. <laughs> I could have gotten a tattoo with the yeah, number of needles exactly. I got. I should have gotten them all in the same. I could have yeah. gotten them in a pattern. Could have, yeah. yeah. Um, back to Valentine's Day before. We're never getting get into the topic today. But back to Valentine's Day this morning, um, I woke up at four. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm actually really excited about going to Kenya. So didn't sleep well last night. So I got up at four. I'm getting ready to come in here, do some stuff. And um, I didn't want to make noise. Yeah. So normally every morning, I don't even know if I've told you this, we got turned on over Christmas to the coffee maker called the Percolator. No, I don't think you Are you familiar with the Percolator? I mean, the principle of it, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, Well, old school. Because it's like what you use at camping. Yeah, old school rival plug-in Percolator, 12 cups, big stainless thing. Yeah makes amazing coffee it doesn't matter what you put in there you can put in cow manure starbucks <laughs> whatever whatever i might disagree with you there but yeah. <laughs> um whatever you want to put in it 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 tastes great mm. rich full diner coffee um so i make that every morning but it's a it's a noisy process yeah. so at four o'clock in the morning i didn't want to do that i made myself a k-cup and um 7 30 leanne wakes up yeah seven o'clock she wakes up she goes it's Valentine's Day. You didn't make me coffee. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the only day mm. of the year mm. that I haven't made coffee. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm like the worst That's Valentine's husband. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I wouldn't say you're the worst, but yeah. Yeah. You missed that one. Yeah. I was traumatized as a child with um, Valentine's Day. Yeah. Again, that's what I mean. It just is like, and it starts early. Like you got to get kids, got to get yeah. these stupid yeah. little things and mm-hmm. packages and will you be my valentines but it's like but is that just for a day are we dating now yeah like, i don't then, get it and then the one that i wanted to be my valentine didn't want to be my yeah. valentine and i was five years old and traumatized and my dad was a dentist and wouldn't let us eat the candy hearts but i'm not bitter <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what i mean it's just all the uh all the stuff that goes with it those mm-hmm. expectations and yeah. stuff that's my issue mm-hmm. yeah i don't okay. like being told yeah, that I have to mm. do a relationship with certain, unless it's God. We come, we, we come under his, we come under yeah. his authority, not yeah. Hallmark's authority. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's a good way to say it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So uh, this is a holiday where the world says it is about love, and that's what we want to get into today: the world's perspective of love and the Bible's perspective of love. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say this prior to, but yeah, it's a day of love. Uh, can you give us a uh, 
Barry, Barry White, White impression, impression <laughs> <on> a, <laughs> with that good radio voice that you I, have. I could, or Lou Rawls, or um, the only Barry White song I know is an instrumental from the Love Unlimited Orchestra. Oh, not Let's Get It On? No, I don't know that. <laughs> I don't know that song. Well, it's only three words. Or let's get it. Four words. I'm yeah. not. I I am not actually going to say <laughs> that know? on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, I've said it twice already. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying that. Yeah, no, you don't have to do that one. Or uh, Vandross, or you know, Luther Vandross. Oh, yeah, from yeah, from, from Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So is, well, does he have a song that you? I don't remember. Did you have? No, no. Lou Rawls. You'll never find. And I don't remember the words, <laughs> but that's how it goes. Uh, see, that's what's funny. Like speaking of Valentine's, and this might be too much TMI, but like with a voice like that, I would think that Leanna would want you to like call and leave her a voicemail or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Uh, uh, like she would like that. How you doing? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I think I think guys that don't have that voice, like myself, mm -hmm. or even ladies who listen to voices like that and think that that's sexy or something. I think that's what they would think that they would want. You know, it's like if I had a spouse with a voice like that, I'd have him say, like, say it to me. No, this voice puts people to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whenever Leanna listens to this, she's going to be cracking up and saying, no, I don't want that at all. <laughs> she's like, I hear plenty of your Every voice. voice. Right. I don't need to hear anymore. I don't need you to do some kind of remake of uh, Vandross <laughs> or Barry White. Yeah. Oh my. Actually oh TD Jakes, Pastor TD Jakes, which mm -hmm. this isn't an endorsement of everything no. he says. No. Um although he's an incredible preacher, but he actually put out a love album once. Right. Yeah, like he and I don't I can't remember the name of it. Um but this was probably 15 or 20 years ago probably. But yeah, he put out an album and uh something about satin sheets and like Oh, like, that's gross. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's <laughs> Because you know, he has one of those voices, and mm -hmm. so he were, and he can sing, uh -huh. um, and so I just think about that. I was like, as a pastor, I could a I couldn't do that, right. but b I could never get away with that, that be <laughs> if I recorded an <laughs> album like that. Uh, I might lose my job. You know, that would be um, that would be awful. And it wasn't. Um, I mean, it was from again from what I remember, it was tastefully done. Like it wasn't. It wasn't. You know crude and that kind of i mean obviously it was in the context of married people and but i just remember because i love r&b and mm -hmm. i love uh you know i love slow jam i love that kind of music it's just what i grew up on mm -hmm. um in my era so i was actually quite impressed that he did that from from the musical side you know what i mean but then again thought it was like i could never do that mm. i heard one time that he um wears his suit only one time and, hmm. it, and then he gets rid of it hmm. or gives it away. Yeah. So he wears a different suit every every day. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, because guys that like suits like that, um, that's a thing. Hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, like, and and I don't saying that's good or bad. I'm mm -hmm. just saying like guys that are really into fashion like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it becomes like a thing of like, no, I've already worn that. And I don't know if it's because he's on national TV yeah, or whatever. Know. So yeah. yeah, I got one. Yeah. Well, I just bought another one because I'm actually preaching at uh, a church in Nairobi this weekend. I'm preaching here and uh, Thursday and then we'll be on video Sunday. 
So we're preaching, it's a rather large church in Nairobi, mm-hmm. um, several thousand, well, probably 10 to 20,000 across multiple campuses. Wow. But at the, the one that I'm preaching at is a rather large, uh, you know, probably three or 4,000 people. And thankfully I can speak in English cause they speak in English and Swahili. Um, but a lot of their pastors will preach in English, but it's a very well-dressed church, um, which is like that in a lot of third world countries, mm-hmm. you know, in the church space, um, it is a lot more formal. Mm-hmm. Um, so the suit that I have wasn't quite, uh, formal enough. Okay. So I had to go get me another one. Okay. And, uh, I was texting my buddy Leonce, who's a pastor here in Atlanta, who's a very well-dressed man typically. So we were talking about it this morning. Former like, NFL player. Former NFL player. Yeah. I would love for him. Actually, he was going to come speak at Abide this year, but he couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was texting him about it. He's like, oh, I got to see a picture. You know? <laughs> so I, I, he's kind of like that. He's always wearing mm-hmm. well-dressed, nice suits, which again is cool. Like, yeah. um, I'm just not typically a suit guy because mm-hmm. uh, I don't like having to do the whole dry cleaning and right. messing with all that stuff. But, you know, getting a nice suit, like I'm excited about it. Um, awesome. awesome. Because I don't preach in a suit typically. Um, so yeah, I just got that and pack it up and take it with us, which is completely different than my normal Africa gear. Yes. <laughs> yes. Is it a Columbia suit? <laughs> no, no. Uh, What's the SPF on your suit? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Probably pretty good actually. <laughs> so no, I've got a, like, yeah, I've got Columbia clothes and then a really nice suit. Right. You know, like that's the juxtaposition of my life. Yeah. I, I, I packed like three or four times already. I've been, I've been packing since November. And <laughs> so you and Lindsay. So when, when, um, when you said, Hey, we're going to a, a nice church and yeah. it would be respectful for a, another pastor to wear a suit. Yeah. So I, I, I put mine out and then I folded it up and then I hung it back up to sh- just to see yeah. how wrinkled is it going to get after yeah. a couple of days. And so I, I think we'll be good. Uh, well, I literally YouTube this morning how to pack a suit because I don't, yeah, we don't have, I don't have a hanging bag mm-hmm. that I'm taking. Right. So they said, put it in the plastic bag and fold it one time, mm. uh, like in half one okay. time and then put it on top. Oh, so, that's a great idea. So that's what I'm going to do. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. We're 27 and a half minutes into the podcast and we haven't gotten to what we want to talk about. But we're having a lot of fun. We are. We yeah. are. We're having a blast. Uh, and all of, all of this stuff, this is what people come up on a Sunday or text or send an email. Hey, remember when you said that? Yeah, that, of course. Yeah, these, these this is the sticky stuff. Yeah. Now, we're going to get into what the world says about love and what the Bible says about love. Yes. Yeah, with this being the the day of, I don't know if it's officially called the day of love, but it's definitely no that emphasis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when we talked about this uh you know, the last couple of weeks of like, Hey, we're recording it on Valentine's. This is a great opportunity to, to kind of bridge and have this conversation, um, to where love in our day and age, and even in the church world, the, the favorite quote of Christians, even in the Super Bowl ads, you know, mm-hmm. um, from the, he gets us ads. And again, not, this isn't an endorsement or not of that. Um, cause some people liked them and some people didn't, mm-hmm. you know, um, but the idea of, you know, Jesus is not about hate. He's about love. Mm-hmm. So everybody loves that. You know, even non-Christians sure. are intrigued by the idea. Uh, and I would say now, probably in our culture, I mean, maybe the most quoted verse is still, don't judge me, you know, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. judge not lest you be judged. 
But I would say second and probably now first is first John four, God is love. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, people just love that verse sure. because again, who doesn't like, who doesn't love the idea of love? Yeah. You know, like, and I, and I get that. And I'm not saying obviously that's in the Bible and I'm not saying that that's not true, nor am I saying we shouldn't say it. However, right along with that in our culture over the last 20, 30 years, really probably beginning in the sixties with the sexual revolution, you know, that Hugh Hefner and others were really, really pushing. Um, we've kind of, our culture has, I would, I was going to say grown, but I'm saying this is a negative, not as a positive. G R O A N. Yeah. Yeah. We have, yeah. Our culture has moved past a biblical definition of love. We've, we've progressed past it, which is the idea of progression but not in a good way Mm -hmm. to where now, and you've probably seen this in our culture, you know, at stores, you've seen it in stickers, people say it, but they'll say a phrase, love is love. Mm -hmm. And that becomes like this tacit endorsement of love is a feeling. Mm -hmm. um, And who are you to tell me who I can love? Right. Uh, and basically what we're saying is we've, we've dumbed it down to attraction. Mm-hmm. Um, I have these feelings towards somebody. And so we're no longer a fact based society. We're a feeling based society. Yeah. And therefore we're no longer a moral absolute or moral true, absolute truth society, which means truth is something that I, a moral absolute means truth is something that, that, God created and we discover it. Mm-hmm. It's a fix like gravity. Mm-hmm. I don't care how you feel about it. It's true. Well, we've moved love out of that realm into subjective yes. reality, which is no love. Love is love. Well, if love is love, then what is love? Mm-hmm. If I'm defining love by itself, right? that's like saying right is right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, but what's Right. Yeah. As opposed to wrong. If you open up a dictionary, there are no words that are defined by itself. No, no. Because you can't. Right. You can't define something by itself. It has to be defined by some other person or, uh, and and what I mean by that is someone has to inject meaning into Mm -hmm. that. Um, And what the Bible is doing in first John four is he's saying, when he says God is love, what he's saying is the meaning of love is injected by God. God is the one who, so we can't say love is love. We have to say God is love, mm-hmm. which means the only way I can understand love is if I understand God, mm-hmm. because God is the one that defines it. That's why John goes on to say, this is how we know love, because God first loved us. Yes. Um, and, and so then you have to say, okay, well, if God is love and God loved us first, then love is something God not just is, it's something he did. Mm-hmm. And what he did helps me understand who he is. So he's a lover, you know, and again, arguably the most famous verse, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. Yeah. Well, that is a great part, but I can't understand what it means that he loved the world until I look at the second part of the verse when he says, God, for God so loved the world, he gave right. his only son. Mm-hmm. So love is not love by that mm-hmm. you know, self-defeating definition. Love is God. 
And then I look about who God is and what God did and what did God do? He gave. Mm -hmm. He gave his son as a sacrifice. So love isn't a feeling. It's an action that's defined by the parameters of who God is and what God did. I'll never forget going to a therapy session, and this is probably, oh, um, 16, 17 years ago. Yeah. And it was the, my therapist was the one who shared the gospel with me over mm -hmm. the phone. And um, she asked me the question, do you know what love is? And of course, you know, in, in my arrogance, yeah. I was, of course I know what love is. And I, I began to describe it from a place of feelings. Yeah. And she said, what if, what if, she's very kind. So what if I told you that everything you just said is not what love is? Mm. And, you know, I had already trusted in Jesus, but was not equating those, those two things. Yeah. And then she said, remember what I told you on the day that you became a believer? And I said, yeah. She goes, that's love. Mm. And from then on, I was like, oh, wow, love is seen at the cross. It totally. Yeah, because love, like, it, we're not saying love is n not a feeling mm -hmm. in the sense of like, um, we're not saying love is just strictly emotionless. Mm -hmm. We're not saying that. Right. Because God, we are made in the image of God and God has feelings because we have feelings. Mm -hmm. So God gets angry. God has love or God feels love or compassion, if we want to say it like that. Um, but what we're saying is our feelings to what you just said aren't the definition of love. We are we use our feelings to describe something, mm -hmm. but we're but that's not what it is. We're just we're using emotional and emotive language to describe how we feel about what it is. Um and that and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Again, that's why I, I don't want people to think that, like, from a Christian perspective, it's wrong to have somehow have feelings. Mm -hmm. It's not because we see that in church too. Like, it doesn't matter how you feel; it just matters what you think. You know, God, God didn't create us in this dichotomy that we're thinking and feeling, or facts and feelings are opposed to each other. <clears throat> but one does have to be submissive to the mm -hmm. other. And the best way to think about this in terms of the phrase, God is love, and again, I've said this before, but it's only twice that the Bible uses that phrase, both in John, but what the Bible says over and over, over 400 times, over and over again, in so many different books is God is holy. Mm-hmm. And the definition of holy is he's set apart, he's other, right. he's completely different. So what we have to think about this is God is love, yes, but God is first and foremost holy. He's different. So what that means is it's not just love, it's a holy love. Mm -hmm. Or it's a love that is defined by God's holiness. So therefore, love is not just an expression of an action. It's an expression of a dip disposition, mm -hmm. too. Like God, God doesn't just... Yes, God so loved the world that he gave, and so the act of giving is love, but why did he give? Because he's holy. So therefore, love, by definition, has to be defined by holiness. So we can't say love is love because we don't know what it is, mm -hmm. but what we could say is love is holy sacrifice, mm. or love is, 
is a set apart sacrifice. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. that's what love is. Because again, it's defined by who God is. And God is holy and God is loving uh, or merciful mm-hmm. or gracious or you know, all those things. But his supreme characteristic is holiness. And so even like this last weekend, I talked about the, um, you, you know, Ephesians 4, 1, live lives worthy of the calling that, you know, that's what Paul's urging them to do. And I said the word worthy there is the Greek word axios, which is, you know, the same idea of like the standard or yep. the axle on a car. And I said how the axle is the center and everything else rotates around that, you know, uh, and I just love that picture because mm-hmm. anybody can understand it. Well, if you think about God, at the center of who God is, is not love. Mm -hmm. The center of who God is, is holiness. Yes. So the axle or the axis that that defines God is holiness. Then love, God is love, but it, it circulates around his holiness. God is compassionate, it circulates around his holiness. God is righteous, it circulates around his... So the holiness of God is his supreme characteristic Mm -hmm. Um, because he, again, by definition, holy means different. So therefore, anything that we want to ascribe to God, it's not just he's love, he's holy love. It's not just that he's gracious, he's holy gracious. It's not just that he's righteous, he's holy righteous. That's the thing that defines every other thing. So again, from that perspective, we have to allow not allow, we have to see that by definition, um, love is a reflection of who God is. Well, who is God? He's holy. And so therefore, that's what love is. Mm-hmm. And then we are to, and the Bible commands us, be holy as I am holy. And the Bible commands us to love our neighbor. Well, loving my neighbor, and this is you know primarily what those super bad, the he gets us ad said, love your neighbor. Well, loving my neighbor I don't get to define what that means. Right. Like if love is love, then how do I love my neighbor? Sure. I just say, I love them. I'm not a jerk. You know, well, no, I, I love them in the way I was loved, Mm -hmm. which was in a holy way. So I love them like Jesus loved. I humble myself. I lift them up. I serve them. All of that. That's the best definition of loving your neighbor I've ever heard. Because <laughs> it's, it, there, I mean, there's books written on how to love your neighbor. Yeah. But that that was it in a nutshell. Yeah. You're, you're going to love your neighbor not based on an emotion. You're going to love your neighbor based on how Jesus loved you. Yeah. And that's what we're commanded to do. Right. You know, we are commanded. That's why Jesus, as Colossians says, he's the visible image of the invisible God. So Jesus is God. The Father is God. Well, it's not until Jesus shows up that we see uh, in a person the physical living out of this holy love. Mm-hmm. And how did Jesus do that? Mm-hmm. You know, and again, this is where the culture gets us so they love talking about how Jesus loved sinners. They love talking about which he did. But then they miss, like, for example, the the woman that was caught in adultery, you know, Jesus. He doesn't condemn her, mm-hmm. and he says that. I don't. No one here is to condemn you, neither do I. But then he doesn't condone her actions no. either. He says, go and sin no more. Mm-hmm. Where our culture 
only gives the half definition. Right. They say, oh, you can't condemn people. Jesus mm-hmm. didn't condemn people. You're right. He didn't. But you're not looking at a holy definition of love. Sure. A holy definition of love is I'm not condemning you because Christ gave his life for you, but I'm not condoning your sin either because Christ gave his life for you. Mm-hmm. He gave his life to free you from this sin. So why would he then endorse it? So therefore, I cannot take love as it's my feeling that I get to marry who I want, have relationships with who I want. I get to take off the boundaries that God set in his word because he loves me and he wouldn't want me mm, to Yeah, that's, feel, that's the one. <laughs> yes. Well, what? When the core of following Jesus is deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. The idea that somehow Jesus would never ask you to deny something that feels natural to you is a complete misunderstanding of the gospel. Yes. A complete misunderstanding of holiness, mm-hmm. of love. Um, and, and it's not loving for me or Jesus ultimately, but in the words of Jesus, it's not loving for me to allow you to keep doing something um, that God strictly prohibits because somehow it would be wrong to ask you to feel like you have to deny yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's not love. No. Uh, love is, I'm going to tell you, Hey, here's holiness. You're not walking in holiness. I'm not going to condemn you for that, but you need to deny yourself, repent and walk in holiness. We deal with that all the time, all the time, especially in pastoral care and premarital counseling. Yes. We're, we're asking couples to deny themselves the, uh, the act of being married mm-hmm. prior to their marriage, mm-hmm. not living together, not having sex. Mm-mm. And let's move forward in talking about what marriage is and do the premarital counseling. Yeah. Because marriage, fun, and yes, we've, and sadly you deal with this more than I do um, just in your role, but we have these conversations all the time. If some, if two people can't deny their sexual urges and we're talking about a man and a woman here, mm-hmm. Because by definition, marriage is man and woman. Um, if a man and woman can't deny their can't deny themselves, take up their cross in their dating life, then they won't do it in their married life. Mm-hmm. If they're letting their their body hormones and their desire, which again, the desire to have sex is a godly desire, it's from God. But the entire and we did this before, the entire purpose, the main purpose, I should say, of sex is procreation, not pleasure. So if I am engaging in sex before marriage, then I'm engaging in the process of procreation. And now we live in a world of, you know, um, birth control and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and again, this isn't a, we can do a whole conversation on that at another time, but the idea that I'm going to take birth control so I don't get pregnant before I get married is a complete upending mm-hmm. of the created order. Cause the purpose of sex is procreation. We just happen to have a good God that made it pleasurable so that mm-hmm. we keep doing it. Right. Um, but again, that's because sex has to be defined by God's holiness. Right. He made it. And so therefore love and sex and love are two different things. I mean, sex is a part of love or intimacy. Um, but I can't do sex in a way that's not holy. Mm-hmm. 
then I'm ungodly and I need to repent. So that's my point is holiness has to be the lens through which we view everything. Love, loving my neighbor, loving my spouse, how I walk in a man. Holiness is my axis, Mm -hmm. is my axle. And everything in my life has to revolve around that. So my money has to be holy. My love has to be holy. My sex has all of that. That's the only, that's the definition that defines all other things. But yet our culture, as Roman one, Romans one says so clearly written over 2000 years ago, the main reason why people walk away from God is not because they don't believe in God or they've, some people do, of course, like they've studied it. There's no proof. That kind of stuff is what they think. The main reason why they walk away from God is they want to do what they want to do. Of course. That's what Romans 1 says. And and sadly, walk away from the church. Yes. There there are people, and I don't, I don't mind saying this, and it's just being real. When we so gently and with so much grace talk about premarital sex and you can repent and no harm, no foul. Yeah. Ask each other for forgiveness. Yeah. Ask God for forgiveness mm-hmm. and, and let's move forward. God forgets as far as the East is from the West. Of course. And we're, we're good. We're all sinners. Yes. We all need to repent. Uh, I've had so many people walk away from the church mm-hmm. thinking and, and say, even publicly, they judged me. Oh, they've said it on our Google reviews. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. No, and and I can't tell you how many times I say in those meetings, please, this is not judgment. No. You're coming to us asking for a blessing. Uh, you're doing something God's not blessing. Yeah. So l- let us at least care for you yeah. in, in a way that sets you up for the best chance of having a great marriage. Yeah, and I know what I'm going to, I'm not going to correct you to what I'm saying because I just said, yeah, when you said we're not judging you, but I want to, Terms are important. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, like, yeah, so, I, I, and I know mm-hmm. you know what I'm about to say. Yep. Mm-hmm. We are judging them. Yes. Um, and that's where, again, that, that other verse gets misquoted. We are mm-hmm. judging them because we're called to. Yes. But we're not, we're not unloving. No. And no. that's where they interpret. If mm-hmm. you tell me something, right. you tell me I can't do something that I want to do, you're not loving me. Right. No, we're loving you. Yes. And we are... So it's less of like we're judging mm-hmm. them, but we are making a judgment. Yeah, good point. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're right. We're not mm-hmm. just like trying to judge them, mm-hmm. but we are loving them through mm-hmm. communicating God's judgments, right. God's commands. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we are doing that. Mm-hmm. And yes, that doesn't feel good. Like no one likes yeah. being told I'm wrong mm-hmm. or I've, because we don't like feeling guilty. Yeah. Or shame. Yeah. So I get the feeling, but yes, we're doing the most loving thing we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, again, those same two people, when they have kids later, they're going to do the same thing. Right. That's what makes them hypocrites. Mm-hmm. That's what makes us all hypocrites because they make judgments. Mm-hmm. They tell people that's wrong. Well, hold up. Don't judge me. Right. Well, you can't live in a world without judgments. Mm-hmm. No one can live in a world like, get this, read the book of Judges <laughs> in the Old Testament. What is the one reoccurring phrase in the book of Judges? You know what it is. 
it is this, the people did what was right in their own eyes. Sure. And that was the worst time for the nation of Israel because no one was standing as, judges are meant to judge, but they weren't judging. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's the thing. I can either live under God's judgment now and repent and receive grace, mm-hmm. or I can live under God's judgment eternity and not have the ability to repent and, mm-hmm. re- and receive judgment. Right. So you choose. Mm-hmm. You're choosing judgment. And I think the thing that people don't like today, and again, and we don't say it this harshly, but this is true to those unmarried people that are doing that. Right now, you're sitting under the judgment of God, which puts you in danger of hell. So why would we tell you to keep doing that? Yeah. Why would we tell you to keep living in sin? We wouldn't. We can't because we love your soul more than we love your bodies mm-hmm. right now. Yep. Um, and that's the part that no one likes to talk about because we're like, well, how could a loving God, and we'll do an episode on hell. Right. How could a loving God send people to hell? He doesn't. Mm-hmm. They send themselves mm-hmm. because they want to do what they want to do. Right. And that's what C.S. Mm-hmm. Lewis was so helpful to me about when it came to hell, hell's locked from the inside. It's God gave, gives the people in hell what they want, which is a life without him telling them what to do. And that's why it's hell. They, and I'm not saying God's not judging them. I am. But what I'm saying is the judgment is according to Romans one, I'm going to give you over Mm. to what you want. And that's hell. This is all so good. And the definition of love and the definition of, uh, what we just talked about marriage, Mm -hmm. um, these are, you're being discipled right now. And this is why it is so important for your kids to come to students on Wednesday nights. Mm-hmm. If you're a young adult or you know young adults or you have young adults living in your house to come to young adults now, first, yeah. su- first Sunday of every month. It is so important because if they're not discipled here, they're going to be discipled by the world. And the world doesn't talk the way we just talked for the last half hour. No, the world is... Yeah, they're being discipled. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. not the, they're being formed. Yeah. But they're just being misinformed. Yes. They're being malformed. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, being in church and reading the word is being transformed. Um yeah, they're being lied to. And again, uh, it's not like just because we have social media now that they're being lied to and we weren't being lied to when we were young. I mean, you grew up through the 60s. You were lied to. I grew up in the 80s. I was lied. We were all lied to. Mhm. Everybody, the the devil's the father of lies, and that's what he does. Jesus says that's his native language. He lies. However, we do live in a world where the lies are more readily accessible, which is why, and I've said this on here many times, if you are a parent and you have a son or a daughter, even more so a daughter, um, and they are on social media at a young age, I think you're wrong. Mm-hmm. I. My son did not get on social media until he was 18. My daughter will not get on social media until she's 18 because I do not want those messages being reinforced into their mind every day. It's already hard enough to disciple them into the ways of Jesus. And so I'm just not going to put them on a platform, any platform, I don't care what it is, where they're getting those constant barrage of lies. I mean, we know so, so many studies have been done now how TikTok is shaping the philosophy and the existential thought process of teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's like, it's like in the Catholic church and I'm not trying to compare the Catholic church to TikTok, but I'll never forget. I had a, a friend who was Catholic in high school and the Pope at that point in time came out and changed his position on something. 
And then my friend automatically changed his position on it just because the Pope said, well, in the same way, and again, I'm not, we can have another conversation about Catholics. I'm not saying, but in the same way, that's the role that TikTok is playing. TikTok's like the Pope and whatever they see on TikTok, it is informing them and they will change their mind on something because it's, it's the, it's that mob mentality. Mm -hmm. It is, it is a, people are, people, uh, sociologists call it a social contagion. It is infecting their mind and that's all that it takes. Mm -hmm. And so they'll change on a dime because they so want to be a part of the culture. And we all, again, we all want love. We all want relationships. And so they'll change their viewpoint. I'm not going to do that. I'm not, no, because love is love is philosophically stupid. It doesn't make a lick of sense. Um, it's existentially stupid. It doesn't make any sense. And it plays out in every aspect of our lives and every aspect of your kids' lives. Yes. And every aspect of what you do and what you endorse and what you say with your actions, mm-hmm. uh, even even attending weddings, Yes, w- which has been a, a, a pretty big hot button in the Christian world the last few weeks, uh, a pastor that uh, we all respect. Amazing and, pastor. And I, <laughs> the... It had to be the third week that I was a believer. Uh, I show up at this church that I was invited to in California after I was saved, and it was Bel Air Presbyterian Church, this Hollywood mega church. And the first week, the guy says, I guess it was the pastor. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, hey, I'm out of here for three months. (laughs) And he went deuces, and that was it. And I was like, well, I don't know any other churches. I guess I'll go back next week. Yeah. Then the next week was uh, Brendan Manning, mm. who wrote Ragamuffin Gospel. And great book. Uh, he was amazing. I don't, I don't remember what he said. And then the following week was Alistair Begg, the yeah. guy we're going to talk about now. Yeah. And so I would listen to Alistair Begg on the radio in California when I was going in to do talk radio yeah. every night. Mm-hmm. So a lot of what I understood about God's word came from Alistair Begg, but he did say something recently that was very controversial. Yeah, he did. And we were actually talking about this before the last podcast, but um, just didn't have a chance to And it has to, to do it. with love. Yeah, it does. Yeah, he was giving, um, he was counseling a grandmother that he didn't know, and she had a granddaughter that was um, going to marry a woman. And- you know, she was estranged from her granddaughter and she wanted to, you know, connect relationally. And so he came at it from the standpoint of compassion and trying to uh, reestablish a relationship with her granddaughter, which I understand. But in so doing, he told her it was okay for her to attend the wedding, but take her a gift. And she took her a Bible, um, which, you know, giving a Bible is great, but then it blew up into this firestorm because he is a great godly Orthodox reformed Bible teacher. I mean, he's amazing. I wouldn't say there's hardly anything that he said that I've, mm-hmm. I can't endorse everything he said clearly, but I never would have thought he would be in this conversation. It's my point. If and, you've ever seen the, the YouTube clip, uh, man on the middle cross, yes, that's the that's guy him. we're talking about. Yeah. He's a Scottish guy. And, he, and so I watched his response to his congregation and he said that he did it and that he wouldn't do this. He wouldn't necessarily give the same advice all the time, but he did it in this one particular situation to help this grandmother try to connect relationally. And his idea was Jesus, you know, reaching out friend of sinners, which I, again, I get that. Mm-hmm. And so his counsel to give her about reestablishing a relationship, hundred percent agree with personally, 
where what we've discussed and we would not give this counsel. So I want to be clear is I would not tell someone to attend a, a marriage ceremony, a wedding of a same sex couple. And I've had this conversation with, mm-hmm. and we've had this conversation yeah. with people in our church. And here's why it, again, it may feel unloving mm-hmm. to do that. And I get it, but here's what you need to understand by definition, marriage Let's take the same thing I just said has to be defined from holiness. So therefore marriage is God's creation, which in our country, because our country was a Christian country in the sense that the Bible informed it more than anything else. And and that's what was celebrated. So it was the culture mm-hmm. doesn't mean every founding father was Christian, but it definitely, it doesn't mean they didn't believe in, in, people had to be a Christian to be American, but it definitely was. And, and so therefore our country forever accepted God's definition. Um, and until, you know, in 2015 or 2017, whenever it was, when the defense of marriage act went away and the Supreme court said, we're not going to define it. So then what happened was now in our country, it's not that same sex marriage was legalized in that sense. It's, the the court said, we're not going to define marriage. We're not going to say mm-hmm. it's between a man and a woman. So therefore, by default, a man and a man and a woman and a woman can get married in the eyes of the government, in the eyes of the, the law. But as Christians, we don't go by that definition. So my response to that is a man and a man and a woman and a woman, you're not, that's not a marriage mm-hmm. that you're going to. Right. And what most people don't understand is when they go to a marriage, they are actually witnesses to a legal document. Mm -hmm. This is why if you've ever gone to a marriage before, and this doesn't happen as much anymore, but most people traditionally in the wedding ceremony would say, before I pronounce you husband and wife, is there anyone here that would object to this? The reason why they did that is because that crowd is acting as a legal witness Mm -hmm. to this covenant. Mm-hmm. That is going to be That's signed right. and it's a legally binding document. That's right. So they're the witnesses. So by their attendance of that wedding, they are now legally a part of the signing of that saying we witnessed this happen and they're endorsing it. Mm-hmm. So unless you plan to go to the wedding and protest it and say, no, then I would say don't attend, which would probably be unwise. That would also, yeah, that would <laughs> not be good. Um, cause you can protest it in other ways. So well-meaning Christians, and I think Alistair Begg, again, it feels wrong to even criticize him, but that's the one thing I would say differently. That's what I would have said mm-hmm. to the grandmother and said, listen, get, your, get her a gift you know, love, and tell her, say, hey, I love you, but I can't endorse that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my loyalty to Christ is higher. Um, that's why I do, and I had a pastor years ago, he pastored in D.C., and he actually was, um, even though he didn't believe at the time same-sex relationships was biblical, um, he said he didn't have a problem with same-sex marriage. And here was his argument. He said, well, you, as Christians, we don't protest when two non-Christians get married, mm-hmm. when two people who are Satanists or atheists get married. I said, no, because even though they're non-Christians, it's a non-Christian marriage still. If it's a man and a woman, it's still a marriage by definition. They're just not Christians. So no, I wouldn't protest that. Mm-hmm. And I would attend that. I would attend a wedding 
of a man and a woman that were non-Christians because my appearance at that wedding is endorsing as a witness saying that is a marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they are not Christians, that's okay. But to attend a wedding of a man and a man and a woman of a woman is me endorsing that is a marriage. And it's not according to the, the biblical standard. So that's why I wouldn't counsel somebody to attend. And unfortunately, this is something that not every church stands on. No. And there have been uh, recent conferences where churches have put on a stage speakers who are in a same-sex marriage. Yeah. And so they are endorsing that that is a wedding. Yes. And one of the things about Revolution Church that attracts people is the truth of the word. Mm -hmm. And it's a conversation that I have every single week. Mm Mm-hmm whether it's with a first-time guest on Sunday afternoon when I'm at home and I'm calling our first-time guests, Mm -hmm. or it's in the stewardship class, or it's in the lobby, or somebody sends an email, hey, I want to meet with you. Invariably, because of the culture we live in today and churches in our area. Yeah, this is a local context issue. yeah, Yeah, churches in our area that are either extremely vague about this yeah, or not preaching the truth about this, uh, we have to answer that question. We do. And the question is, hey, where do you guys stand on sex, marriage, and gender? That's why we put on our website a paragraph mm-hmm. under what we believe, sex, marriage, and gender. Yes. So, Yeah, because clarity is kindness. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that's what we're saying. And we're not on here to bash another church. No. Um, but we are here to be clear. Yeah. And yes, it is a very slippery slope Um, when a pastor or a church may not explicitly Mm -hmm. endorse an unbiblical lifestyle, but implicitly give the intention or unintentionally give the impression that, but you're not going to call it sin though, or you're not. So maybe you're not over here saying it's okay, but you are allowing it that, you know, yes, that's, that's more of, yeah. and, And you have people on your staff that have written books saying it's okay. And then you have people speaking at your conferences that are in a same-sex, quote-unquote, marriage. So that is an endorsement of it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and that's where it's not kind to be unclear, um, because the moment I start to say, and this is why I say it's a slippery slope. The moment I start to say, okay, the Bible no longer gets to set the standard for holiness in marriage then I'm one step away from saying, well, the Bible doesn't get the standard. If the Bible's wrong about that, then the Bible doesn't get the san- set the standard on this holiness for this mm-hmm. doesn't get to set. The- and then I, the moment that you take that one step away I, and I'm telling you, and this is sad, it's only a matter of time before. And I've seen this happen. So m- I can't say emphatically it happens hundred percent of the time, but it happens more often than not. It's only a matter of time before they start to say, well, the Bible's not the authoritative word of God. Jesus isn't the only way to salvation. They become universalist. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a step in that direction. Yeah. And you've all seen clips on social media of universalist pastors. Yeah. And, and, and what they say is, is ludicrous. Yes. Um, and, and, and here's why I said earlier that philosophy is, and I, I'm not being mean, that, that philosophy or that way of thinking about the world is dumb. 
is because people that step away from the Bible in that definition of marriage, they still have standards. They wouldn't say that a 40 year old man should be able to marry a 14 year old boy. Right. Well, why not though? Well, because they're a minor. Well, uh, so you have a standard. Mm -hmm. So don't blame us for us having a standard unless you're going to blame yourself for you having a standard. So you have a standard and that's the weird thing about our culture is, you know, people love to talk about, you know, today, this decolonization and deconstruction and all this stuff that higher education has just been infected with as if it's somehow wrong. And there's no shot for that. No, <laughs> that's, a, that's a call. That's a callback. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like the idea. And again, I'm not talking about, you know, definitely there, every society in the history of the world has conquered some other society and enforced their beliefs on them. Mm-hmm. Everybody has done that. It's not unique to white people or European people or whatever. Every culture and every planet that's ever existed has done that. But the irony of that is that's exactly what our culture is doing to Christians. They're trying to colonize us into believing the way they believe and have the standards that they have when we have the standards that are defined by the Bible. So you can't call us judgmental or bigots or whatever if we have standards because you have them too. Mm-hmm. But their standards isn't based upon a holiness outside of themselves. It's based upon a feeling inside themselves. And we're just not willing to capitulate to that in any area um, because God is the one who gets to create the standards because he's the one who created us. Therefore, holiness has to be the standard by which we define everything, love included. And that wraps up in a bow. Exactly what we were talking about um, for the last uh, 40 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> for the first first 27 minutes, we were just having fun. And look, I've said this before on the podcast. I've probably shared it from stage. What, and I'm, I, I know I'm, I'm a pastor here, but I'm also a steward. Mm-hmm. And at one time, I was an attendee. Yeah. And when Leanne and I first started coming here, you were preaching uh, a verse. And you stopped, and I said this before, you walked out to the end of the stage, you held up your Bible and say, I, and said, I will shut these doors before I compromise this word. Mm-hmm. And that's what's attractive about this church. Mm-hmm. And that's what should be attractive about every church. Yeah, that's it, what's and, attractive about God. Mm-hmm. And if you find a church that preaches the word like that, not in a self-righteous way, no. but in a truth way, mm-hmm. then you found a church that you can grow in. Yeah. Cause the only thing worse um, than a church shutting down is a church staying open and lying, mm. you know, or not saying the whole truth out of this weird twisted sense of love. Mm-hmm. That's my point. And so I'm not loving just like, I'm not loving my kids. If I let my kids create their own standards, right. they would have no teeth because they ate candy all day, you know what I mean? And they would die of diabetes at 23. Uh, Bring, bringing it back to full circle, yeah, the, exactly. the, the Whitman sampler. The Whitman sampler. <laughs> there you go. That's why Valentine's is dumb. <laughs> all Amen. right. Okay, excellent. Uh, we are going to be in Kenya, um, and we, we're so excited about this trip. Five revolution churches now. Yes, we'll be dedicating the fifth one. And and when I tell people – this. this this is what's really starting to get me emotional. 
and I don't know if I can do it without being emotional. We're going to dig a hole in the sand Mm -hmm. and we're going to put a tarp in it. And then it's going to be a truck filled with water Mm -hmm. and they're going to fill up that hole and we're going to baptize some people. Baptize some people. Yep. That's crazy. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, this has been the Grow People Podcast for today. Uh, For a transcript of the show, if you're not watching on YouTube, write down everything we say. Our producer, uh, Brian Damaro, our video technician, Neon Keon Sadiji, our our new guy, our new guy who is the videographer who did an amazing job on the Abide video. Yes, he did. Uh, and we're so thankful that Marcos, Marcos. Marcos is here. Um, our key grip, Jakob Pushikovsky. Our head of doctrine and theology is theologian. Um, she would have enjoyed today's show. Our, our chief evangelist, <laughs> if she existed, our, our chief evangelist is Salvation. Her, our, name, her name is Theo? Thea. Theologian. Oh, Thea. I've gotten this whole... I thought it was theologian. Read our statement on sex, gender, and <laughs> Thea, theologian. But it doesn't have an A in it. I know. Because <laughs> who says who says theologian? Normal people. Listen, <laughs> theologian. Thea. Listen, David, you don't get to say it how you want. Yeah. <laughs> well played. Well yeah. played. Our chief evangelist is salvation. Uh, real name Salvatore. Um, our backsliding prevention officer is Luke Warm. Our Swedish witnessing expert is Bjorn again. again. Our expert on Russian eschatology is Pitoff L. Our director of holiness is Mortification. Our staff counselor, very busy these days, Les Moody. I'm uh, looking forward to the day when he or she is Les Moody. Mm. It's not busy, sorry. Yes. Um, our giving coordinator is Jenna Rossity. Our nativity coordinator from France is Beth Lechem. Uh, our co <laughs> pastors of plagues, Manny Locust and Lance Boyles. Our Irish eschatology professor is Marco the Beast. I do have a Scottish uh, one today okay, good. Uh, for our church plant in Scotland. Our director of communications is Bernie Bush. Our sabbatical director is Trip Long. Our missional expert is Sam Aria. <laughs> Sam Aria. Our uh, director of marriage studies uh, from Romania, Shizma Betterhoff. Shizma Betterhoff. Uh, strategist for the final batter. Bat, bat. <laughs> <laughs> I love that final batter. <laughs> I, I, I want to lick the, the I, I want the bowl. Yeah. yeah. Are, are you a Waffle House guy? Yeah. Okay. How do you like your waffle? Crisp? I was going to say cooked. I yeah. Don't know it, yeah. 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 They, they never do it crisp enough. For yeah. Me. I like it. Crisp. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I want no batter. Yeah. No batter. I want it like a cookie, yeah. like a, like a pizzelle. Are you familiar with a pizzelle? No. Okay. <laughs> Not familiar with most references. You make. <laughs> <laughs> Our resident Trinitarian is Holly spirit. Our strategist for the, I already did that one. Um, our resident sheep tender works only in December. Uh, Nathaniel Ivity. Nativity. Um, our director of doctrinal security is Harry C. <laughs> our resident prayer warriors kneel down, and here we go. Our Scottish church planting resident and fast food expert. Oh, wow. That's a title right there. I struggle on this one. <laughs> Big Macintosh. <laughs> that's that's who it is from the clan Macintosh yeah. in Scotland. That's a Scottish <laughs> reference there. Best advice uh, we've ever given, and the only advice you need. Trust God, take it now. We'll see you when we get back from Kenya. That's right.